Amen, amen. Well, good morning. Reuben, you know what your name means? Behold a son. Come on. I know we're saying behold the son, but it's behold a son. You just stepped into your name this morning. Whether it was for the first time or you were just rededicating your life to Jesus, you stepped into your name, Reuben. Behold, you were always made for sonship, to be a son of the Father. You've just found your highest calling. You heard him call your name. This is a calling, guys. I mean, you know, want to know your calling? Reuben just found his calling this morning. He heard the Father say, Reuben, come here. That's called a calling. You sit with that a while, you just get messed up. Um, well, good morning. It's an honor to be here. Um, welcome, welcome to the upper room. New faces, old faces. Um, I'm actually going to be with you for the next two weeks. Praise God. Happy Thanksgiving. You guys excited about Thanksgiving? Yes, amen. Okay. Um, we'll open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, we're going to get in the Word of God. I'm going to read uh, a scripture from Timothy first, and then we're going to hop into Ephesians 4. Go ahead and put that Timothy scripture up. And you know what? Can we do this? Um, I've been in churches where, where you stand to read God's word. Um, and it's just, a, it's just a physical sign of honor that, that his word is, is supreme in our lives. Can we just stand as we read the word of God? We're going to read a verse in Timothy um, and then Ephesians. So put the uh, 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15 up. It says this, it says, although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. I'm gonna read that part again. The household of God is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Now go to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll start in verse 11. We're going to read. You can say amen when we, read, when we read the word as well. Say amen to that Timothy scripture. Amen. The church, I won't preach it yet. Oh, I cannot wait. <laughs> Ephesians 4 verse 11 says, And he gave the apostles... Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until, say until, until we all, say we all, attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, say mature manhood, to the measure of of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children. Talk to us about children, Paul. They're tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, Rather, instead of all that, speaking the truth in love, we, say we, we, are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, 
joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Father, we acknowledge that your word coming through Paul, it boggles our minds. We are not smart enough to understand in our own strength the word of God. Holy Spirit, we need you. And we welcome you to teach us this morning, to instruct us in the way of God, to help us mature into our head, into Jesus, that individually and corporately, as a house, we would look more like your son. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you may be seated. I feel like the body of Christ right now needs a reset. I feel like we need like a palate cleanser. You know when you go to a nice restaurant and you eat something and they bring something out to you to cleanse your palate so you can taste the next thing? How many of you know our world right now is bananas? It's being shaken. I'm not the brightest star in the sky. I'm not the smartest man in the room. But, but we are closer now to the Lord's return than we've ever been. I have done the math on that, and we're closer now than ever. I figured it out. I was crunching the numbers. <laughs> when Jesus said, I'm coming soon, that soon is more soon now than it's ever been. <laughs> and he promised that there would be a shaking in the nations. How many of you know there's a shaking in the nations and in our nation? And what I want to bring to light, if you're here in this room, you're watching online, and you consider yourself a member of the body of Christ, I want to speak to you. Um, because we in this house, we believe in Jesus' active leadership. Say amen. amen. We, we actually believe that the living Jesus is in our midst when we gather, and we experienced his active leadership this morning. We were singing that song about, about Jesus as high priest, and I went over to Aaron, and Chase came over, and we're like, hey, we, we sensed that Jesus himself wanted to break shame off of people this morning. We weren't just singing a song. We felt like he wanted to take the melody and make it a reality in our hearts. How many of you experienced that? You, you felt like faith to get free from shame, guilt, condemnation. You could feel Jesus praying for you. Come on, raise your hands. That's Jesus' active leadership this morning. There's a ton of things we could have, there's a ton of directions we could have gone. We've had church this morning. We could go home right now, amen? We have had church. People got born again. We worshiped, we prayed, we ministered, we received communion. And so we believe in his active leadership, but his active leadership is always connected to his revealed leadership in the word of God. See, Jesus reveals his, the way that he leads people in his word. We're like, Jesus, we want you to be our leader, and he is our leader, and he actively leads among us organically in a moment, but he also has revealed his heart for the church. And Paul and the apostles and the, and the word of God actually reveals this is how the church should be, no matter the culture, no matter your race, no matter how much money you have, no matter whether you're a mother or a father or a teacher or a lawyer or, a, or, a, or whatever you are. See, we have to find common ground in the body of Christ. This is what I mean when I say we need a reset. There's too much division in the body of Christ. We have people saying, well, that's not my calling, and this is my ministry, and I'm called to do this over here, and I believe it's our job as a people to be unified around God's truth and his spirit and his son. Amen? 
There has to be truth applied from the scriptures that can meet anyone, whether they're, a, they're an orphan in Brazil or they're a, they're, a, they're a, you know, terrorist in Iraq. The gospel has to be able to, to meet them, transform them, and instruct them in the ways of God uniformly. Amen? And I feel right now in the body of Christ, there's all these excuses and distractions from all of us. I'm looking around the room and I'm like, man, there is an array of people from different backgrounds, different socioeconomic statuses, different races, different cultures. And, and we need more than ever today a gospel, a faith that unites us. The, the church right now is suffering because we're not together. And I want you, we, we read the, put the Timothy scripture back up. We need to be, we need to be sobered by this, by this truth. The church, the household of God, the Bible says, is a pillar. Can you put it back up? 1 Timothy 3.15. It's a pillar and foundation of the truth. What does that mean? It means that if the church is not sound, is not, is not grounded, is not rooted, is not established in the faith, the world will never know truth. How many of you know the world is confused about truth right now? People, you know, your truth is my truth. That's not truth. Truth is a man. Truth is a man. And the gospel says that we've been united to that man. So he, he is truth. And yet when, when Reuben got born again and Alex got born again, he got grafted into the body of Christ. Why? To represent truth on the earth. So that when the world would look at us, they would look at the way we behave one another. They would go, that's truth. It's a foundation, it's a pillar, it's what stabilizes the shaking. And right now, what, what we're experiencing, I believe in large part, is the church is not founded. We're not, we're not strong, we're not unified. We've got everyone going every which way. And what I love about this text this morning is it brings us all on the same page. It brings us all to the same pursuit. Both, both no matter where you're from this morning, we're gonna find common ground, amen? And that common ground is intended to strengthen you to know that no matter where you come from, we are all in this pursuit, in this path. Amen? Okay, so look at what he says. This is Jesus' revealed leadership to the body of Christ. Verse 11. Jesus is the one who gives apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Who are these people? These are people who have received a divine grace from God who become bondservants or slaves to God on behalf of God's people. So God takes certain men, certain women, and he anoints them, he puts grace on them, and he gives them as gifts to the body of Christ. This is church leadership. So church leaders, pastors, whatever, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, these men and women are Jesus' gift to the body of Christ. Now, I know there's a lot of teachings on like, we love to distinguish between all of the fivefold. Well, the apostle does this, and the prophet does this, and we love to kind of, you know, in a, when it gets really wonky, we treat it like a weird horoscope. Like, well, what are you, you know? Well, what are you? I, I, I don't want to talk about the distinction among the fivefold because I actually don't think the Bible talks a ton about the distinction between the fivefold. The point of this text isn't to tell you the difference in church leadership, it's to tell you the unified purpose of all five of those leaders and the saints whom they're ministering to. 
So what we're about to read is the common ground for both the leadership of the church and the saints. Okay, you guys are looking at me funny. Maybe you're thinking. Okay, so why, why does Jesus, this is Jesus' revealed leadership. So this is something that we can all rest upon. We don't have to wonder, how, what is God doing with my life? He's given us leaders. Like, how many of you know in 2020, there's people that just stopped going to church? Why? Because we didn't understand this scripture. We thought, well, I can just get it online. I don't know that you can. You can get a lot online. You can receive a lot online. But I want you to look at what Jesus' leadership attended to accomplish for his body. This is profound. There's two things initially that these, that these five different leaders were intended to have one mind, one heart about. Number one, they're to equip or to perfect the saints for the work of ministry. So, so this means that every member of the fivefold leadership of the church, you guys are like, you're talking to leaders. Yes, I am talking to leaders, but I'm going to talk to you in a minute. The purpose, the unified purpose of the fivefold, when they come, they're not coming to build their own ministries. Well, you know, I'm, I'm evangelist Peter Lewis, and this is my ministry. No, 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 no. That's not my job. That's not my job. My job, if I, if I, am, if I have been given an office of a ministry to the church, my, my primary focus is to equip or to perfect the saints for the work of ministry. This is where you come in. If you came here and you thought this was ministry, that's, that's mistake number one. You guys are Jesus' plan A for ministering the word of God and the gospel to the world. It's not my job to reach the world. It's my job to serve the saints and to equip them or to perfect them. That word is perfect. That word equip means to perfect them. I wish we could talk about that for a minute. So, so your perfection, your equipping is at the top of my heart. So when I'm speaking, when I'm here, remember a couple weeks I went off, I, I kind of got crazy with the cross, and I got really intense, and I said I wasn't going to pray for anybody. <laughs> and I wanted you to train yourself in godliness. Why? Because if you're coming seeking to be entertained, I'm not, that's not what we're here for. You're coming to be equipped. The way you show up in the seat is going, no, you better equip me. If I get this microphone and I don't equip you to go out and live on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday, Saturday, I didn't do my job. If this message and this, and this service doesn't help you become more like Christ in your marriage, in your job, with all of the challenges and trials that you're facing, we didn't do our job. So what am I doing? I'm resetting the expectation for all of us. When you come to church, you're coming to be equipped. You're saying, I am in full-time ministry. Why? Because I've been born of God. We can't abdicate our responsibility anymore, church. Part of my equipping, number one, is just to, is just to reset the deck and go, we are all equipped to do the work of ministry. There's no more like, well, this is ministry and I'm kind of doing my thing. No. We need to even understand what is ministry? What is ministry? What does that word even mean? The Bible describes it as a service unto God. This is how I would define ministry. It's something that you receive from God that you freely give to everyone around you. That's ministry. What you receive from God, you give to those around you. 
So part of what we want to do is we want to simplify ministry. What have you received from God and how can you give it to the world around you? I'll give a, I'll give a real basic example, ministry 101, okay? How many of you have received forgiveness of sins? Oh. Do you know one of the most simple baby steps of Christian ministry is just to forgive people who are absolutely terrible towards you? This is step number one. If you're like, I want to be, I want to walk in ministry, okay, equip me then. Then forgive people. Oh, because you've been forgiven. <laughs> I can like hear what you uh. <laughs> He forgives you. This is why we were singing. Amanda was so beautifully singing. I don't know if you caught it. When, whenever they're singing a repeated refrain, it's the Holy Spirit trying to invite you to connect to something that maybe we're not connecting to. It's not because she doesn't have another song. Maybe that's revelatory for some. Like, why was she singing the same thing over and over again? It's because the Holy Spirit is singing, sing it again, sing it again, play the same note. Why? Because we need to remember. He's trying to jolt your heart back to life and go, yeah, you've been forgiven. And why is that important? Because all of a sudden, it allows you to forgive. So the work of ministry, we talk about here ministering to the Lord. Did you know that we can actually minister to God? How do we do that? We love him with the love that he first gave us. This is priority in this house. We receive this lavish love of God that we didn't deserve, and all of a sudden we prioritize in this house. We believe that it matters when you give that love back to God. It moves him. It ministers to him. It touches his heart. This is a profound, mind-blowing thought. I'm not going to teach on ministry to the Lord, but church, listen, we need to understand what is, what is the ministry of the saints. What is the work of ministry? 2 Corinthians 5, ministers of reconciliation. Every single born-again believer has been given the ministry of reconciliation. What is that? Again, I just said it. Not counting men's trespasses against them. This is probably the simplest way to begin walking like a Christian. It's just go through the list in your heart. Who am I still offended with? Who am I still frustrated with? Who am I still holding on bitterness to? And forgive them. When you do this, when you do this, you complete the cycle of grace. If you only receive grace for you and you never extend it, you've now, you've now stifled the flow of grace. There's now no flow. The river can't flow. You become like that Ezekiel 47 salty marsh where the water comes in but it doesn't go out. You know, Jesus said, when you, when you believe in me, when the Spirit comes, rivers of living water will flow out of you. I'm, I'm tired of charismatic terms not having real legs to them. I'm tired of it. It has to mean something. Well, rivers of living water. Then forgive somebody, love somebody, look at them and cancel records of debt. If someone owes you money, cancel it. Just, I forgive you. Suffer the loss. Michael did an amazing teaching on forgiveness. You should go back and listen to it if you're struggling with this. So part of our job, again, the fivefold isn't, the fivefold ministry isn't like, well, all of these guys, they're focused on their gifting. No, they're focused on first and foremost perfecting the saints. Everyone say the saints. The saints. That word saints is, is the word holy. So, so number one, 
we need to realize that if you're born again, Reuben, you're a saint. That word in the Bible was used in the first century to describe a building that was different than every other building. That's the word saint. They would look at a building and they, they would go, one of these buildings is not like all the other buildings. That's the word saint, hegios. They would look and they'd go, wait a minute, that one's different. That one stands out. That's what a saint is. Separate, holy. Why is that important? Why, why am I pausing here? Many of us raised our hands this morning. We were singing that song, and Aaron so beautifully preached, there is so much accusation coming against us day and night. And this identity of a saint is, is something that Jesus himself, it actually honors Jesus when you believe that you're a saint. It honors him. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a confession of trust in his work of salvation and redemption in your life. When you believe that you're a saint and you confess you're a saint, some of you, that's uncomfortable. I'm a saint. Why don't you go ahead and say, look at your neighbor and say, I'm a saint. Look at that. Look at your other neighbor in the eye and tell him, I'm a saint. Okay. You said more than that. <laughs> to equip the saints for the work of ministry, keep reading. For building up the body of Christ. Again, so the leadership of the church, we're all on the same page. We're here, number one, to equip and to perfect you for work that you're doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Amen. Number two, you're expecting to be built up, to be edified, to be strengthened. That's what we're doing here, okay? So building up the body of Christ. Look at this. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, look at this, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're gonna stay here for a minute. We need to get on the same page here. The Bible reveals that Jesus has made it possible for his people individually and corporately to mature to have stature just like the Lord himself. So here's what, I'm gonna, here's what I'm gonna need you to do right now. I need you to imagine what would you look like as a full-grown man or woman of God? What would that look like in your life? If you've not pondered that, it's, it's indictment number one that we've not done a good job. This is the goal for you and I individually and as a people to look just like the Lord so that when someone would look at us, they would go, you're different. And their first reaction would be, you're different. You're not from this world. We need to get into what that spiritual maturity what does mature manhood look like for the believer? We have to put some, some meat on that bone. Because if we don't actually believe this, then we're gonna miss the entire purpose for which he came. This is the goal. And the fact that I, I see some of you thinking, some of you wrestling,
But what you can't do for this, you can't be neutral towards this truth. You can't ponder the possibility of maturing into the image of Jesus Christ and not either A, just be amazed, praise God. I'm serious, like if, 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 we, are, if we are neutral towards this truth, we didn't hear it, we're not dealing with it. You cannot be neutral towards the promise and invitation of becoming like Christ. This is astounding. Reuben wasn't just born, we'll just keep using you, bro, because you're just a man of God. Behold a son. Just a son. He's like, I don't know, should I have stood up? <laughs> yes, you should have, you man of God. <laughs> when someone gets born again, the Bible says that they're, that they're in a sense, that they're spiritually they're, they're, they're an infant. What, what does that mean? It means that spiritually, they're not able to do everything Jesus did at first. Like, how many of you know a baby? Have you ever seen a newborn baby? Is a baby fully human? Are you sure? Okay. I've seen five of those little things come out, and it's crazy. And they come out, and they can't do anything for themselves. They just sit there. And they cry, and they just eat and poop. And they need to be cared for 24 by 7. But that baby is, is fully human, yet it's not capable to do every human thing right at first. It can't speak, it can't talk, it can't run, it can't move, it can't conquer things, it can't take over. It's just taken care of. And spiritually, it's the same. Many Christians, if you're only ever being taken care of... then you're remaining spiritually, again, there is zero condemnation, church. Are you kidding me? There is no shame. This isn't condemnation. This is where we have to start being honest. Where am I actually spiritually immature? And I actually now have the promise of growing up and being like Christ. We should all be honest and let the Holy Spirit search us and go, where am I spiritually immature? If the path if, if the promise is mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that's a big phrase, and it should cause us to feel like, I don't know, like that's crazy. Come on, how many of you honest with me? You, hear, you think of, of maturing into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, not the partialness of Christ. How many of you hear that and you're like, I don't know. Be honest with me. Can you raise your hand? I want to talk. I know we can't talk. We can talk. Maybe we can talk. Joe, maybe we can talk. <laughs> you have to be honest because if you're not honest with what you're feeling, what you're sensing to the word, you'll never go anywhere. I promise you, you're like, oh, just amen. I don't want your amen. I want God's amen over your life by you growing up. That's what I want. So, so picture this. When you get born again, your spirit now becomes righteous. You're like a baby in Christ, but your flesh has been grown. You have grown flesh, so your flesh can do grown flesh things. What is the flesh grown like? It's selfish. Number one, how do you know, how do you know you're still suffering under spiritual immaturity? You're selfish. This is number one. A Christian that is selfish doesn't mean they're not a Christian. I don't yell at my baby because they can't walk yet. Oh, y'all didn't, y'all, y'all were ready to judge the immature person. That's what we do. I don't yell at my little baby that comes out, how come you can't walk? 
Say words. Quit saying ba 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 ba. Say some words. I don't do that. How do you cause someone who can't actually do the thing? What do you do with a baby? You nurture it. What does God do to spiritual to people that are spiritually immature? He doesn't condemn and shame them. He nurtures them. He strengthens them. He builds up their spirit, man. Why? So that they can take a little toddle and go, I forgive you. I'm going to walk in love now. I'm going to walk in purity. I'm going to say no to the lust of my flesh. I'm going to be dead to the desires of the world. Come on. We're learning to walk like Christ, which means you may fall. Toddlers fall. Can you imagine looking at a parent and a, and a little baby? They, they take their first steps, and they're like doing this, and, the, and they fall, and they go, man, come on. No, you almost had it. Yelling at them. You guys laugh at that, but we do that to ourselves. You laugh at that, but when you're spiritually growing and you fall, you shame yourself, and you readily partner with condemnation. That's not, that's not God's way. That's an orphan spirit, and God wants to break that off of us. If we're sons and daughters, let's be sons and daughters. Let's not, be, let's not pretend like we're not spiritually immature. Let's not pretend like we're not still messing around with the world. Let's not pretend like we're still not struggling with sexual immorality. Let's not pretend like it's not there. Let's just be honest, not do the guilt and shame thing, but go, God, this stuff's still got a hold in my life. You're my father, and I need you to grow me up and grow me up quickly. I need you to nurture me and teach me how to walk like your son. If this is the promise, this should convict and confront us that it's possible to walk like Christ in this earth. What does Jesus Christ full grown, what are some fruits in our life that we can begin to look for that we're maturing into Christ-likeness? Well, if spiritual immaturity is defined by selfishness, I would say spiritual maturity is selflessness. Meaning you're not living for yourself. You can give to other people, why? Because you're thinking about them before you. Greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus wasn't living for himself. This is a staggering thought. The perfect one, the righteous one, did not live for himself. He lived for you and me. His life was for others. His life was for the world. He was selfless. He laid down his life. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Why? Because he was thinking about the world that he loved. He loved his enemies. This is a picture. This is where we're headed, church. Spiritual maturity is the capacity, not because we flex and we, we, we got ourselves there, Spiritual maturity is the capacity to actually love your enemies. Think about this for a minute. If that seems staggering to you, now we're thinking it's like a little toddler going, hey, one day you're going to run a marathon. And they're like, huh? Yeah, they're like, I can barely get to the couch. No, 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 no. But you were made for a marathon. You were made to run 100 miles. Do you, do you see? And I, want, I, don't wanna, I don't want us to, to this... For this to become a burden, for come, become a standard, like, oh my gosh, I can never get there. No, do you know how you grow? By grace. 
you cannot work your way there. It's by grace through faith. I've shared, I've shared my testimony, guys. The reason why I'm such a grace preacher is because I lived works for so much of my life. You gotta understand, when I played soccer, it was like I knew if I worked harder than everybody, I would be better than everybody. That works in that way. That's a good principle. Working hard is good. <laughs> Working hard is good. Paul says, I worked harder. He goes, I'm the least of all the apostles. He goes, but I worked harder than all of them. Why? He goes, it wasn't me. It was the grace of God in me that caused me to work. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. What is grace? Grace is what you receive from God, the power that you receive from God to do what he asks you to do. So he's like, hey, grow up and look like me. And you're like, I can't. He's like, I got you. Here's my DNA. Here's my Holy Ghost. Here's a covenant. I'm going to pray for you. He stacks the system in our favor, puts us in a greenhouse called the church. It's a greenhouse. The greenhouse. This is the church. This is where we look at people. I want to be able to look at Mike Moore and go, wow, look at that man of God. And now I have a picture of someone that I want to be like. Why? Because he's, he's been fashioned in a unique way in the image of God. Or I look at, I look at Alzavian or Chad or, or Mark Verkler or Marie Verkler, and I can see Jesus in them. And now all of a sudden, I'm not just watching a sermon online. I'm seeing Christ in the flesh formed in people who've been faithful. You go, why are you pointing to them? Because for decades, they've been serving this house faithfully, day in and day out, counseling people, loving people, shepherding people. And so when I look at them, I'm going, well, they got gray hair, some gray hair. Mostly Mark has gray hair. You look amazing with no gray hair. And, and listen, I'm looking at them, and now I have a picture of, of someone I can follow. I can go, yes, they provoke me. Their stature provokes me to be more like Jesus. That's more than a sermon. I'm seeing Christ made flesh in them. See, we do this in the natural all the time. You know, we, we look at people physically, we're like, wow, look at them. They look so good. Look how in shape they are. Look at this. I'm looking at Eric Gibson. I'm like, man, this guy is so in shape, so handsome. And, and we do that. And we're like, oh, I want to be like that. But how much more in the church to look at someone and go, I see Jesus in your eyes. I want to be, I want to be like that. I, wanna, I, want, I want there to be fire in my eyes. I want there to be, to be love. I want there to be tears of love in my eyes. I want to be in love with Jesus. I want to I wanna be able to see him or when I, yeah, it's like, that's what we get to. When we come to church, that's what we get. We get to see Christ in one another. And so, and so your progress in the faith, it matters. If none of us progress, then none of us get to see him. Because listen to me, you were created in the image of God. It is your destiny. Not one person gets to look fully like Jesus. Hear me. Have you ever wondered why there's so many different kinds of people? If we're all created in the image of God, why are there so many different kinds? Why is there the slides in the world and then my daughter Faith? Faith, come over here. Come over here. Sly, can you stand up? Can you stand up, Sly? Are you allowed to stand up? Look, look, come here. Come here. Come y'all stand next to each other. No, this is awesome. God made these two. Look how different they are. Look at the difference in their stature. I can't think of two people more different in this room. <laughs> in stature, yet in spirit, look at them. You see the spirit of God in them both. 
So this means we can look at Sly, we can look at Faith, and we can go, man, God is strong, and he's big, and he's, I look at Sly, and I'm like, yes, God, yes, I see God in that, and yet I see God in her tenderness, and her meekness, and she gets up, and she's just beautiful and delicate. I see God in both. God is in both. Bless you guys. You can sit down. Do you, do you see? No, listen, listen. Listen, I know we love to look at God and we close our eyes and look at God, but I want us to begin to discover the Christ in each of us. He is the God who sees. He's the God who sees. And I'm looking around the room and I'm like, wow, wow. What would each of you look like fully grown in God? What would it, what would it be like? And I want to tell you there's some promises scripturally that we get that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know. So some of you, when you were thinking about what does it look like to be mature like Jesus, number one, number one, peace with God. A mature Christian has peace with God 24 by seven. Peace. Where does their peace come from? They have put their faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and they understand that everything that made God frustrated with them, alienated from them, he took, he wiped it away in his son, he accounted for it. See, most people don't realize what a good accountant God is. Any accountants in the room? Yeah, come on, sister. See, I see God in you. You're like, you're like the, the, the credit and the debit, I did that in college, I didn't do very good. You're an accountant? So, so you like it to be balanced. Like when it gets balanced, like the Holy Spirit falls on you, you're like, praise God, it's balanced. It is reconciled. You see, I know my sister. See, God is that way. God, there was, a, there was an imbalance, and God is a judge. He's a righteous judge. He can't look at a sinner and go, oh, you're okay. He needed, th there was an imbalance. The wages of sin is death. So sin upon humanity, it... It deserved death as a payment. And so when he's looking, when Jesus came and he took on flesh, he's now going to balance the balance sheet of heaven. So all the sins of the world, past, present, and future, were gathered up into one man on one day, on one cross, once and for all, never to suffer or die or to make payment for sin again. you got to understand this. When you go to a restaurant, and someone pays the bill, and you try, you know the sneaky people? And they're like, you're like gonna pay the bill, but then they, they went to the bathroom. <laughs> they went to the bathroom. People rob, they rob your blessing all the time. They go to the bathroom. And they go to the bathroom, and they slip the waiter or waitress and say, hey, just pay for this, put this on my card. And then the other people, you took them out to dinner, and then they paid for it. <laughs> you go to pay for it, and they're like, it's already been paid for. Can you imagine staying there all night, doing dishes, trying to pay for the bill? The only reason we do that with our sin is because we don't believe or know that it's been paid for. You can't make up for it. You can't pay for it if you wanted to. There's nothing for you to pay for because it's been paid for. Well, I got to pay for it. No, you don't have to pay for it. You have to receive forgiveness of sins. <laughs> and you have to let God nourish you into spiritual maturity so that you don't continue in sin. See, he doesn't treat it lightly. It's not like if I'm a believer and I still struggle with sin, he's like, oh, I don't care. He's like, no, I paid a high price for that. I will forgive you, but I wanna forgive you relationally. I believe in repenting to God, amen? 
If you're a believer and you struggle with sin, you should tell God, God, I screwed up, I'm sorry. Because something happens when you go into secret and you look at your father and you go, Dad, I really didn't mean to do that. I hated that I did that. Will you forgive me? Something happens when you hear your father say, I forgive you, son. I forgive you, daughter. Now let me help you. Let me, let me walk with you. Let me, let me tell you why that happened. Let me help father you to actually walk like my son. And I want to paint a picture for you this morning. I, wanna, I want there to be a new, a new vision in your soul of what it means to be a son or daughter of God. I want you to believe this morning that when someone looks at you at Thanksgiving, they could see, they could see a born-again son or daughter of God. They would go, different. Hey, what happened to you? You're different. What's going on? And you can look at them with integrity and you can say, I think I'm just believing that I'm actually a Christian. <laughs> I think I actually believe I've been born of God. I actually believe that I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And you're not thinking, well, I need to do the dishes. You're just doing the dishes. You're just serving. Why? Because you're thinking of others. I'm trying to be practical here. We're getting spiritual, but I'm talking about real, real people, like a real showing up in your lives as the Lord. And I want to tell you it's possible. It's really possible by grace. Look at what he says. He doesn't want us to be children any longer, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine and by human cunning, craftiness, and deceitful schemes. What you believe matters. Children are tossed around by every new idea and thought. They're like, hey, someone says this, they, they, you know, come some new opinion. And they're like, oh, man, did you ever see this? And, and what about this? That's what children do. They're tossed around by men. You ever seen someone tossed around by a man? They get tossed around? That's what children, you kid, dads take kids and they throw them around in their beds. and they run. That's what kids, but grown men of God, can you imagine trying to toss Sly around? You're not going to toss him around. He's a grown man of God. You cannot toss him. Why? Because he's not blown by every doctrine and wind. He's steadfast. He's stable in what he believes. He knows whom he has believed in. Are you guys with me? Can you see this picture? We, we need this today. We need this. We need this in this hour. So he says, instead of being tossed around, I need you to speak the truth in love. I need you to open your mouth. So this, this message can't stay in this pulpit. We've got to open our mouths. We've got to speak to one another the truth in love. We've got to tell our moms and our dads about the gospel. We've got to tell our, our cousins. We've got to tell our family members at the Thanksgiving table. We've got to open our mouth and speak the truth in love. What does that mean? You just tell them the truth of who Jesus is. Tell them the truth of the gospel. Look at this. It, it, he, 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 he keeps painting this picture. We are to grow up in every way. Say every way. Into him who is the head, into Christ. Do you see how urgent and how intense he is about us having the concept that we can grow up in every way, meaning, meaning in speech, in thought, in emotions. Imagine your emotions being just like Jesus. Some of you who struggle with your emotional and your mental capacity, imagine whatever you do in life, you could show up in your marriage or on your job, and you could, you could rock up with the emotions and the mentality of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine 
I'm talking about the mentality that says, I've destroyed Satan on the cross. I've been buried, resurrected to newness of life. Can you imagine how you would show up to your office with the consciousness of that kind of victory? Think about it. In every way, you can have the mentality you can have the mind. The Bible even says we have the mind of Christ. So you have permission. Listen to me, church. I'm appealing to you, but there's an invitation. There's an invitation this morning by the Holy Spirit. I, I feel it so strong. I can feel a wrestle with unbelief. I know, I know it's hard to believe. It's really hard to believe. I think it was intended to be hard to believe that we wouldn't be able to do it. Like many of us were like, how am I gonna do that? You're not gonna do it. We're gonna talk next week about how we do it biblically. But this week, we just need to establish that it's possible. And I wanna be on the same page with my church that it's possible. Can we do that? Can we come into agreement that this is where we're heading up a room? No, I, I really, I'm, this is like a genuine appeal. Like I'm not like, I'm looking at some of you and I know many of you and you're saying yes, but I wanna be able to see you on Monday and go, hey, remember when we said we looked at each other Sunday and we're like, hey, we're, we're going, we're going there. We're gonna mature into his image. Which means we're gonna be honest where we're not in his image and we're not gonna do the guilt and shame game. We're not gonna hide from one another. Oh man, this is so good. You cannot do this apart from one another. You don't go into the closet and do this. You do need to go into the closet and spend time with a Jesus, but we need, we need one another. This is what he's saying here. We're gonna end here. I'm gonna pray and the ministry team's gonna come up. From whom the whole, bo whole body joined and held together by, which, by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is how you grow, the love of God. Loving one another. Come on. This is the invitation. Why don't you stand on your feet? Your homework this week is to imagine you in your life walking like Jesus. I want you to journal about it. I want you to think about if God could put you on like a glove, how would he live his life through you if your will and your flesh and your mind and your heart and your emotions was completely and thoroughly submitted to the will of God and you were completely empowered by the Holy Spirit and you were confident in the new covenant, what would it look like for you to show up in what you do? still feel like heavy burdens falling on people when you think about that. Wow. We need to repent, Lord, of this. We cannot do this on our own. Huh. Father, we see your desire 
for us to mature. And the best we know how this morning we say yes. We say no to shame. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to help us imagine our life without sin, our life without selfishness, our life without bondage, our life without self-consciousness and insecurity, wondering what the world thinks about us. Holy Spirit, help us to imagine a life where we're not tempted by the lust of the flesh and the things in this world and the pride of life. Holy Spirit, help us imagine what we would be like if we could not be offended by man. If we constantly forgave, lived to please you, Father. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would reveal in our hearts what it would look like to be powerful in our inner man, to be more than conquerors, to be triumphant in our thought life, to be victorious, to be filled with peace 24 by seven because we know that you love us. Holy Spirit, would you paint that picture for us this morning? For each individual in this room, each person watching online, God, would you begin to paint a picture? Would, let, would you let faith arise? Let faith arise in our hearts that it's possible. Amen? Amen. Hey, we're gonna have a ministry team come up. Uh, we're gonna stay in this place for about 10 minutes. If you need prayer for anything, contrary to what I said two weeks ago, come forward and receive ministry and prayer from these guys. They're amazing. God bless you. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week.